Thank you so much, Kerry. I just love watching those pieces that you do every Sunday. They're they're amazing. So thank you so much. I think I must be a big kid. Um, it's time for the kids to um, go to their their kid spot um, after the prayer. So um, if if the parents can organise that, that would be great. So let's do our corporate prayer this morning, and it, the focus today is. On Jesus. Lord God Almighty, this morning we bow down before you and bring our hearts to you to honour, praise and worship you. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In you we move and have our being. Lord, you are a good God and your mercy endures forever. We give you thanks for your amazing eternal plan that has included setting us free from sin and evil. Thank you, Lord, that you are ever-present and always attentive to the prayers of your children. We want to see, hear and know you better. Help us to recognise your presence in our lives. We confess that we are lost without you and need you in our lives. Therefore, guide our lives, we pray, that we might be all that you have called us to be. We praise you for your glorious grace, for the free gift of life we have in Jesus. Praise you, Lord. You have brought your people peace as you promised you would. You are our God, and we give you praise. May your word fill our spirits with your presence. And let us walk through life holding tightly onto your hand. Lord, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the truth given through your Holy Word. Teach us to become more reliant on you. Bring us into a greater discernment of your ways so that we may may come into a deeper understanding that all we see with our natural eyes is not all there is. Open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to your ways. Lord, it can be easy for us to be consumed with the worries that surround us in life, but we know that just as your eye is indeed on the sparrow, so also do you care for and see us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day. Lord, we know that despite all of the stresses and chaos of this world, you indeed see us and care for us. Bless us that we might bless others. We invite you to come into the centre of our lives that you might be glorified and lifted up. You, O Lord, are our everything and we need you to guide our thoughts, words and plans so that we might know you with all that we say and do. Your name be praised always, the all-powerful name of Jesus, in whose name we pray for all things. Amen. Kathy has prepared um, a lovely song at home for us. It's it's called Your Will Be Done. And um, she's excited about it. We're excited about it. So here it is for you.
Father, as in heaven, so on earth, my heart is drawn to self-exalting. Help me seek your kingdom first. Pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Thank you, Kathy, so much uh, for the beauty of that song and the richness of those words that uh, I know blessed my heart as I as I listened to them. Uh, so thank you, Kathy, and I also just want to thank uh, everyone else who's uh, here tonight. Thanks, Beck, for coming up and and helping doing the music. Thank you, Willie, for leading us in prayer. And I especially just want to have a special word to thank Dave. Uh, who, without his technical ability, we wouldn't possibly be able to do this. Um, so we had a bit of a, a trouble at the start, and we all wouldn't know what to do, but Dave was able to, to fix it. So thank you, Dave, for the way you bless us and our church. This morning, I am really excited. Uh, I am excited because um, as I've prepared uh, and read through the story of Joshua, uh, I really believe that the Lord's going to be speaking uh, to individuals, and uh, to us as a church, as we look at this story and look at the principles and the themes that come from it, themes like obedience and faith, uh, themes of uh, trusting in, in God that he will follow through with his promises. Um, and I'm, I'm so uh, in depth in it. You know, I think four weeks probably isn't going to be enough. In fact, I've probably got a bit too much today. So we'll just see how we go with time. Guys, if I'm just keep going, just wave your hand at me or something and say, come on, there's some people at home with kids by their sides, that's, that's enough. But I, I really pray that you be encouraged, that you be built up in your faith, uh, that you would listen to the Holy Spirit uh, as we look at the words of Scripture and how that is applied uh, to you and your life. So Lord, we just pray uh, for this whole series uh, in Joshua. Lord, we pray that your word be um, in our hearts and that we act upon that. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us, uh, reveal yourself afresh to us. And Lord, as we look at the story, uh, how does this uh, change our lives and what does this have to say to us uh, in 2020, uh, in the time of uh, COVID-19? How are we to respond and how are we to act? And what do you have for our future, Lord? What are the promises that you have for us that you're calling us into? So, Lord, we just pray that you reveal that to us. Uh, Lord, that you be in every home today and uh, particularly in this series, that you really be building people up. Uh, In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as we um, go along, I'm going to be pretty much um, reading from Scripture as we go through the story of Joshua. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV so can I encourage you, like even now, to go grab a physical Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, yes, you can use your phone. But I think it's, it's great to actually hold the Word of God as we, as we look at the story and what, it, what it's going to say to us. Uh, but before we delve into chapter 1, 
uh, two things I just want, need to do beforehand, and that is just to give some context to the story. Uh, perhaps you're new to the faith, perhaps you've, you're young and, and you don't know the full story of, of where Joshua fits in with the meta-narrative of God and his people in the Bible. So a bit of context. And secondly, uh, just to share that, um, what's the right word? Cheeky is not the right word. I'm not being cheeky. I'm being strategic uh, in, uh, in, in talking about the story of Joshua because I really believe that there are so many parallels to this story that we as a church community are going through right now, that there are things that we can gain from looking at this story because I believe that God is actually calling us as a church to look at this story and what it means for us as a community moving forward. What are the promises that God has for us in the future? Um, I've been saying since uh, Vision Sunday, I've been hinting about the possibility of us having our own land and the ability to actually purchase our own property. Is God actually going to speak to us through the story of Joshua and how that relates to us as a church community? So I'm going to be spelling out uh, little bits as we go through and quite blatantly, but I also want you to just be picking up um, sort of certain slight things that are in the scripture that might be referring to that in terms of us as a community. So context, um, first of all, um, God had always a plan and that plan was to, through Jesus, uh, bring freedom to the entire world. And we are living in that age right now that um, Jesus has won the victory over sin and death, that his resurrection has given us life and hope, that he has drawn us into his family. And now we can declare that gospel to those around us. Uh, and that's, that's what we experience now. But it all began right back at the very beginning when God called Abraham. And God called Abraham out of a land of Ur. Where do you come from? Ur. Uh, he came from Ur. And... He said, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a nation. And out of your offspring, they'll be so big that even can't count them like the stars in the sky. And out of this nation, all nations will be blessed. Uh, So God is going to call together a people. And through those people, all nations are going to be blessed. Now, ultimately, that happened through Jesus as Jesus came through the nation of Israel. And that's what we're living in now. So God calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make you into a nation. And so Abraham has a son, Isaac, and uh, Isaac has a son, Jacob and Esau. But Jacob's a bit of a uh, he he wrangles his way into the the firstborn. He's a bit of a, a cheeky guy, but God still uses Jacob. And Jacob then has 12 sons. And those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And these 12 tribes of Israel, as the nation grows, um, they, they are learning to live under the law and the covenant that God has given to them to be a blessing to the nations. They're called to be a light to the nations for people to be able to see how God works and be attracted to that. And they find themselves in slavery in Egypt Uh, Joseph rescues them uh, with famine, but after many years they find themselves in slavery in Egypt and God miraculously rescues them. He he makes a way, he's a miracle worker, he's a promise keeper, and he brings them out of Egypt 
uh, as a whole people, and they come to Mount Sinai. Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain. They receive uh, the commandments, the law to live by, a new covenant. Um, and then they, they get to this promised land, and they, they see the promised land, and they send some spies into the promised land uh, before they go, go into the land. And the, the spies come back, and there's two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who say, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land that God has got for us. This is the land that God promised Abraham right at the start. Let's go take it. But the other spies are afraid, and they're scared of what's in the land and how hard it's going to be to go and possess the land. And so they persuade the entire assembly to not go in and take it. And so here we have uh, the consequence of disobedience. Uh, the people aren't obedient to what God has for them and, the, and they don't listen to Joshua and Caleb. And because of that, they then spend 40 years in the wilderness walking around. And that whole generation that didn't take hold of the promise, they miss out on actually entering to the promised land. And so 40 years pass and every single one except for Moses, Joshua and Caleb uh, pass away. And now a new generation is born, a new generation that has been taught the law, who live under um, the ways of God. And they now come again to the edge of the promised land, again ready to enter in. And so that's where we find ourselves in the story uh, of Joshua, where Joshua is now going to lead the people into the promises of God, into the promised land that God uh, promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And... um, and it is an amazing story. So if I could uh, sum up um, the, the, the before this time, it would be found in Deuteronomy 6.22, where the people say, He brought us out from here, from there, to bring us in and give us the land promised on oath to our ancestors. He brought us out of there to bring us in to hear. And I just want to just speak on this verse for a moment. You know, when the people were in the desert place, they hadn't yet seen the inn. They hadn't yet seen the promised land with their eyes. And yet they were they were kind of in that middle ground. And God sometimes actually calls us out of something. Calls us out of what we're used to. He calls us out of the, the situation we're in, whether that be a, a spiritual state of mind or a physical location. And he calls us out of that in order to bring us into something new. You know, sometimes the Israelites didn't want to go to where the new thing was. They were happy and content where they were, even though they were slaves in Egypt. And I believe that uh, us as a church and us as individuals, God is actually calling us out of something in order to bring us into something new. Now, what is that new thing that he's calling us into? Sometimes we can't actually see it yet. And that's where faith comes in. And that's where um, trusting in God comes in, which is a theme throughout this whole book, is how are we moving from here to there? What is the new thing that God is calling us out of in order to bring us into something else? You know, when we're, we're saved, God calls us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Kathy mentioned that right this morning. Um, 
And so God is always in, in the process of taking us from a place to another place. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my own story about um, how hard it was for me to leave my previous uh, position of ministry in the church that I was in. I was happy. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to, I wanted to stay in that place. But it was actually God, and it wasn't my choice, but God actually took me out in order to bring me in, to have something new for us. Sometimes God needs to move on us in order for us to grow, in order for us to change. And as we go deeper in the things of God, which is our whole theme for this year, maybe God is calling you out of something, whether that be out of a a spiritual um, desolate place, whether that be out of um, perhaps habits or um, something that's going on in your life or out of perhaps a vocation into what God has for you. And sometimes we can't see it yet. But that's where faith comes in, to believe that the God who started something is the God who's going to finish something. God is the God who's going to take his people out of something and into something else. So there we find ourselves at the start of Joshua. They're on the edge of the promised land. They are, they're again here and they're about to head in. And I just want to read through the first um, 10 verses or so. And then I'm going to go back and we're going to pull some things out for us this morning. So from verse 1, you ready to go? Got your Bibles open? (laughs) From verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Can you see those words there in your Bibles? Get ready. Can you just, if you've got a pen, underline them? Because if we were to summarize this whole passage, it is get ready. God is about to do something. Get ready, be prepared, be on the lookout because God is actually on the move. A bit like the story of when we're doing the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is on the move. Get ready. Uh, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Get ready. Three days from now you'll cross the Jordan here and go in in and take possession of of the land the Lord your God is giving you 
for your own. All right, so first of all, um, Moses, the great leader, is now dead. And I can imagine Joshua feeling uh, the weight of stepping into the shoes of leadership. You know, even today, uh, Moses is considered one of the, the great personas of uh, Jewish leadership. A great man who, who was steadfast uh, in, in leading the people. And so now Joshua, who was actually Moses' aide, it says. And um, jo- uh, Joshua was uh, aware and watched Moses lead. And so he was able to uh, listen to and take from Moses what it meant to lead. But now Moses is dead and Joshua takes up the mantle and he's going to be the ones that leads them into the promised land. So did you know, and I didn't know this, that Moses actually changed the name of Joshua? Joshua um, was, was born uh, Hosea, which means deliverer or salvation. And before Joshua was sent in as a spy uh, the first time, Moses actually changes his name to being uh, Joshua, which means God is my deliverer or God is my salvation. Now, I think there's something very important in that, in that this story and the main character in this is God. God is the one who acts. God is the one who does the miracle working. God is the one who who makes all of this happen. How else would you um, explain walls falling down and rivers parting unless it was a way-making, miracle-working promise-keeping God. And so uh, Moses reminds Joshua, even in the changing of his name, that all of this is going to happen because of a great God. And you and I worship this same great God. You know, the God that spoke to Abraham all those years ago, the God that uh, announced to Joshua to go take the land is the same God that we just worshipped, that we will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save So it's not to do with Joshua, although we can look at Joshua and go, wow, what what amazing character he is and and the way he was obedient and faithful in following the commands of God. It's actually about God, that it's not about Hosea. It's not about salvation. It's not about Joshua doing it. It's actually about God working through Joshua. It is God who saves. It is God who delivers. And that's what this whole story is about. So Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. And it says at the end, so Joshua ordered the officers, get ready, we're about to take possession of the land. Now I just want to take a little note to talk about what it means to take possession. Now if we have a a possession, it means that we've actually taken hold of it. We've actually uh, got it in our grasp. And God says to to Joshua, uh, as he looks out upon the land, he says, it's it's now for you to set your feet in and to take possession of what I've promised you. And so here we have uh, what faith is actually about. And it's the balance between what God actually calls us to and how we obey it and walk in it. Now, faith isn't just sitting around going, oh, I'm going to just receive and, and get every blessing from God and then never change. Faith is actually about receiving and believing and then having that belief change our life and affect the way we go about living, the way we 
walk in the land. And so God says to Joshua, see this land, everywhere you set foot is, is going to be given to you. Uh, this is a promise. This is what I have for you and the people. And so uh, if, if we are to take possession of something, we're actually to go and walk in it and, and take it. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking it's a bit like fishing. You know, some people go fishing and they say, oh, you know, I caught this big fish. And they say, well, where's the proof of it? Where's, oh, it got away. You know, when they talk about the one that got away, it was this big. And, and when you're fishing, you might have a, a fish on the end of the hook, and it might be big, and it might be what you caught. But unless you actually reach out and grab the fish and hold it in your possession, uh, you can't say that you actually caught the fish because you've got no proof of actually holding on to that fish and so my son Jackson made his own fishing rod because we don't have one so I've asked to borrow it today and so when it comes to the promises of God now when we read of the promises of God in scripture of all that he has for us in Christ Jesus all that is available to us you know it's a bit like this this fishing rod that's that's holding this thing that's that's dangling uh, in front of us, and it's there. We can see it, just like the people could see the promised land from the other side of the Jordan River. It's there. I can see it, but unless I actually reach out and grab it, I haven't taken possession of it. I haven't actually taken hold of the promises of God, and so God it, it, uh, tells Joshua to go and take possession of the land. In other words, it's, it's, it's divine operation and human cooperation to actually reach out and grab hold of the promises of God. And, you know, God has promised us so much in the word of God. There is so much victory to be won, so much uh, temptation to overcome, so much uh, newness in the spirit for us to receive. And we can just read it and, and we can see it. But unless we actually take hold of it and possess it, unless we sort of pull it into ourselves and, and walk in it, then we haven't actually taken possession of the promise. We haven't actually taken hold of all that God has for us. You know, in Ephesians, it says that we have every spiritual blessing in heaven under Christ Jesus. I mean, wow, we have everything. How much have we actually taken hold of in our own lives? How much have we taken hold of as a church community of all that God has for us? You know, I think there's so much more that God is wanting us to be walking in. So much of the victory and the promise. I think there's more of a move of the spirit that needs to happen amongst us as a church community to grab a hold of and take possession of all that God is calling us to. Do you know what's really interesting about this passage is, is that God talks about the boundaries of the promised land. Now, if you look at the boundaries here and that uh, are recorded in Numbers and recorded to Abraham when he first talks about this wonderful promised land that you have, do you know that the boundaries are actually immense? Part of Egypt, part of modern-day Iraq, up to Syria and Lebanon, and these, this was the boundaries that they were to take. This was the promised land. Now, do you know under King David, at the height of Israel's uh, reign, where they, they conquered the most and where they were 
you know, the, the best Israelite time. Um, so the, the, the boundaries would be probably around, scholars say, three, uh, 300,000 square miles, which was the promised land laid out here in Scripture. At the time of David, they had 30,000 square miles. One-tenth of what God had actually promised the people of Israel, they actually took hold of. Now, why is that? It says, everywhere you set your foot, as I promised Moses. The fact that the Israelites didn't take the promised land was because they didn't take their feet out and walk in to the areas that God had actually promised them. And it's the same with us in our lives. You know, we look at all that the, the script, scripture offers to us, all that the word tells us, all that, that Jesus has given us and blesses us with. And, and we look at it all and we receive perhaps a tenth of that, maybe one hundredth of that, and we go, I'm happy, I'm content. You know, I, I'm settled with that, I'm okay with that. And we never actually walk in the victory. We actually walk in the promises that God has actually given to us um, to experience. So don't let the promises of God be simply words on a page. Don't let them be someone else's testimony. Let them be your story. Reach out and grab hold of them today. And maybe for you that first step is that first step of salvation. Maybe you've been coming to church uh, for a while and you haven't yet actually said yes to Jesus. Maybe your first promise, your first possession, your first taking hold is to say yes to Jesus and all that he has offered you to give you freedom and to give you life and to set your feet on a new path of glory uh, in your life. May that come about for you today. And so God says to him, set foot, I'm going to give you all of this land. Your territory will extend this way and that. Now, obviously, to do this, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. This is going to be uh, something that you're going to need to be stand firm in and, and take because there are people in this land. So obviously, there's going to be a, a military uh, thing that's going to have to happen in order to take possession of this land. Now, when we um, study Joshua and, and people bring out their favorite Bible verses, whether they, they put them on jewelry or write them on walls, be strong and courageous here is mentioned several times. And uh, people love the phrase to be strong and courageous because it talks about having faith in a, a, an amazing God and to be strong in that and courageous to walk in what he has got for us. But there's something very interesting uh, happening in this passage of Scripture that I want to just uncover quickly. <laughs> and, and that is what we see here uh, in this passage is what's called a chiastic structure. So in old uh, uh, literary ways that people um, wrote, you know, today if we want someone to take note of something, we will use a highlighter or we'll underline it or we'll type it in bold or we'll put explanation marks after everything. Now, in ancient writing, they didn't have any of those methods. What they had was this method of, of chi, chiasm, which is here. And it's from the Greek uh, letter X, which is chi, 
um, pronounced chi in Greek. And so a chiastic structure is basically uh, using repetition to make you be aware of something that's important, to, to bring out something that is um, that wanting to be highlighted and, and made known. And so, for example, a, a simplistic form of a chiastic structure would be um, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So it's inverted and it's repeated. Um, so that's in one sentence. But as you expand that, uh, the chiastic structure is it, it, it repeats statements and it has a statement in the middle and then it comes out and it invertly repeats those statements again. And it's precisely what we have here in the next uh, couple of verses. And I'm going to, on the screen, I'm going to come this way. That's cool. All right. Uh, so if we look at this, if we look at in your Bibles, um, so, so we have here, I've, got, I've labeled them down on the side. Um, I've got um, A, B, C, D, and then we've got C, B, A again. So A, as was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now that same concept is in verse 9b. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Can you see that those two are the same? B, in verse 6, be strong and courageous because you'll lead the people. Be strong and courageous. Uh, then B, in verse 9a, have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. So again, that's the same uh, concept. C, we've got be careful to obey the law and don't turn from it from the left or the right. And in uh, 8a, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Okay, again, the two... True, <laughs> um, the two um, concepts are the same. And then right in the middle, we've got this. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Now, maybe just keep that up there, Dave. So what the author, is, the writer is actually saying is they're getting a highlighter out. They're underlining, they're putting in bold D. To keep this book of law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Now, why is that? See, we love the be strong and courageous verses because it talks about faith and, and boldness and, and, and taking ground and that sort of thing. But what the strong and courageous verses are doing is it's actually highlighting what's in the middle. It's a bit like a sandwich, if you like. Um, it's what's in the middle that matters. And so whenever you read scripture and you come across a repeat be mindful of what's actually in the middle of the repeat because that's the really important stuff. That's the, that's the gist of what the writer is actually getting you to, to understand. And so here in the midst, the sandwich of, of this chiastic structure is to keep the book of law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Now, why is that important? Why is that going to be their success? Because if you then go out either side, to obey this law is going to mean success. See, years ago, they were unsuccessful because they disobeyed the law. They were unsuccessful and they were not prosperous because they turned away from the left and to the right of the book. You know, as, as modern-day Christians are living in this world, this is so important, that we meditate on the Word of God and that it guide us and not uh, be swayed by voices or, or um, opinions around us. You know, we live in a day, 
where <laughs> social media, anyone can get their opinion out there that's strong and, and said well. But what matters isn't other people's opinion. What matters is God's opinion. What matters is God's plan here for Joshua. For him to be successful isn't to sway from the left or the right or to be swayed by the people as the people swayed Joshua and Caleb in the, in the early world. They weren't swayed. They swayed the rest of the company. And, and so what's important here is that we, we stick to the word. You know, what I love about our church is that we're part of a wider body, uh, the CRC group of churches. And I go to, um, to conferences uh, once a year where uh, Bill Vasilakis will get up and he'll give a maiden speech. And pretty much every year he says the same thing. He says, we are a people of the book. Now, we are Bible-based, Christ-centric, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we don't take away from it, and we don't add to it. We actually live the words of Scripture. And that is so important to us as individuals, but also as a, a church moving forward. In fact, um, I was reminded of a, of a word that a friend in church gave to me uh, at the start of the year. I just want to share that with you now because it really ties into that. It says it's the real sense that our God is calling his church worldwide and here uh, to be renewed in our holiness, to be a set-apartness, to be shaped by the word and not the world. There it is. To be, spilled, to, to be filled with his Holy Spirit and not the spirit of the age. To be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. And then a, a personal... Uh, encouragement that I might find myself torn between staying on the narrow path like Joshua and the temptations to compromise to the left or to the right. Um, And I might be compromised to let the road grow a little wider. But this person believes that God wants to encourage me to stay on the narrow path and to be bold in calling others to follow it. And even if that means sacrifice. And so that's precisely the word that God gives to Joshua here in this chiastic structure. Don't be tempted to go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. God has actually given us a way of living and we can be tempted to perhaps turn a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. But if we do, we won't be successful. In fact, uh, the Lord says to Joshua, uh, if you stay on the plan, if you stick to the word, if you're obedient, then you'll have success. What does success mean? You know, in this day and age, success might mean uh, you know, big house and, and flashy cars and, and all the, 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 <laughs> the clothes that we would want to wear. Uh, that's not success. Success here is talking about where we end up. To be successful in the Christian life is where we end up. It's not necessarily about now. It's about where God has placed us and has destined us to be. And so for the people of Israel, success meant getting into the land. Success meant being prosperous in that land, to be the people that God has called them to be. And so just a quick little note, and then I might have to pack up a little note on the idea of land why did God call people to have a land of their own you know 
as I said from the start with, with Abraham, that they were called to be a light to the nations. They were called to live a way that attracted people to who God was and, the, and what he had for them. And so it's really hard to do that uh, when you're in, uh, a, in a place that is not your own. Uh, if you have a, a rented property, for example, you know how hard it is to, to make the place feel like your own. It's, you're not allowed to put uh, nails in the wall to hang up pictures. You, know, you can't landscape the garden. Um, it doesn't feel like it's your own place because it, it belongs to someone else. But when you perhaps finally are able to, to have your own place, you've, you put your own stamp on it and, it and it looks beautiful and it looks like who you are. See, the importance of the people having their own land was to not allow the um, other world religions and, and ideologies and, and um, those sorts of things to actually influence them. They needed a space of their own that they could set up that was godly, that was holy, that they could um, show the nations around them what it meant to actually serve the one true God. And so it's really hard, and I know that us as a, as a church, you know, we've been gathered together um, and meeting in the high school now for, for, for many years, and, and that, that has its problems. You know, we can't set up during the week. Uh, we can't put our own stamp on it. We can't um, change the colours of the walls. We can't make spaces for, for newcomers. Um, it has its limitations. But having our own possession, our own land, our own way, we can actually then uh, live out this idea of, of creating a, a church, creating a home, creating an environment where others can be welcomed in, where others can actually see what it means to live a victorious Christian life, to be in a community of believers that lift up the name of Jesus, uh, to be able to worship not just on a Sunday but all week long, and to be a light to the nations. You know, Israel was called to be a light to the nations, to show people how good God was, and that mantle is now given to the church. You know, we as a church are called to be a beacon of hope, we are to be a beacon of light in our community that is hurting, that is desperately in need of the love of Jesus. And we as a church community uh, can do that. Um, and yes, we can do it in our homes and we can do it in relationships. But what an amazing thing to be able to actually have a land that we call our own, that we can uh, together come and, and corporately lift high the name of Jesus, that others be welcomed in, that others come to know him as their Lord and Saviour. I mean, that's what we're about as a church, isn't it? Uh, we're not just about uh, looking after ourselves and, and, and doing something that's nice and comfortable. We're about... Uh, sharing the gospel and letting others know that. And that's precisely what this story of Joshua is about, is actually coming into that promised land, into the promises that God has for his people and to allow them to actually start exercising that light to the nations. And so I'm believing that as we continue to look at the story of Joshua and uncover more about what God's doing, what God did, that God is actually doing things like this now. You know, God miraculously did amazing things for Moses and for Joshua in, in leading. And, and I'm believing right now, uh, as, as a church, God is doing amazing things too, that he is leading us into what our new thing is. 
what our uh, perhaps land is going to be. What's, what's our, our out of here into there? And can I encourage you to be praying about that? And can I also say that um, as we go through the book of Joshua, if you have any words on your heart, if you have any insights, if, you, if you're reading something and something jumps out at you, we'd love for you to share that with us because we don't want this to be not just um, me uh, talking, but as, as a church, as we're listening to the Holy Spirit, as we're listening to the voice of God, as Jesus guides us into what our new thing is, uh, we want to be aware of that. And he's going to speak to not just me, but to his people. So as you read through the story of Joshua, if something jumps out, um, feel free to do it. Uh, and just before we, we finish up, uh, last week we talked about um, the Holy Spirit. And we talked about, there was a couple of words given. You know, and I, as I was preparing today, there was one word particularly that um, there's someone uh, perhaps within our congregation that uh, is feeling like they've lost an opportunity uh, of what God is, has put on their heart right from a, a young age. And, and as I was thinking about that taking hold of, possessing, possessing what the promises of God are, I'm believing that perhaps be reminded of that again. The promises that God gave you at the start are still going to come through, but maybe it's just a matter of walking in it. Maybe it's a matter of actually taking hold of those promises and actually start moving uh, in that area. And for you at home, uh, can I encourage you, as, as we look at th- this story and particularly possessing what God promises for you, what, is, what has God promised you? What is your promised land? What is uh, the victory that he has for you in your life? Uh, it's not just a matter of believing it or reading it or, or just having it dangling in front of us forever and ever. Can I encourage you to take hold of everything that God has for you? For his promises are true and he will be uh, faithful uh, in bringing those about in your life. So Lord, we just thank you for the story of Joshua. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the way that he was strong and courageous. Strong to not be uh, swayed by uh, those around him, but stick to the plan. Stick to your word. Uh, allow that to be uh, to meditate on it day and night, and that because of sticking to what you have promised and allowing that to be in his heart, he was successful in what he did. He was able to take hold and to possess that which you promised, uh, because he believed in a way-making, miracle-working, promise-keeping God that is always faithful and always keeps his promises. And so, Lord, I just pray for those who are at home uh, this morning who are just dwelling on this word this morning. Uh, if there are those that haven't yet um, said yes to you, Lord, like even now in their hearts that they, they might reach out to you and actually take hold of the salvation that is available in Christ Jesus. And for those who, who are part of the family, perhaps there's a, a temptation or a lifestyle to get rid of. Perhaps there's a, an area of ministry to step up into. Perhaps there's a calling on their life that seems beyond belief and it seems so out of place. And yet God is calling them to it. 
Lord, help them to be strong and courageous. Help them to step up and into taking hold of that, to walk in those promises, to not just sit back on this side of the river, but to stand up and start walking in the directions to take hold of that which you've promised them. And so, Lord, uh, in all of our homes across uh, this place and in this place right now, we just pray your blessing, your spirit to be at work. Uh, Lord, revealing those promises to us, those words of hope, those words of truth, that they will be uh, resonating in our whole lives and we won't be the same tomorrow because we've actually taken it on and we've been changed. We've gone deeper in the things of God or we've grown and we've been stretched. So Lord, just ask your blessing on those now and yeah, ask that you continue to speak to us, Lord, as we unveil the story of Joshua in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to have just a bit of a clunky transition uh, as we get together again. And we're going to sing uh, a song and we're going to be talking about the words that I've been saying all the way through this, that our God is a way-making, miracle-working, promise-keeping God. The God that worked with Moses and Joshua is the same God that we worship right now and that is doing miracles in your life right now. So I pray that as we sing this, that God will be working in your heart, that as we sing this, that he'll be revealing things to you and perhaps even promises from long ago that might have felt like lost opportunities. Don't be like the uh, the first group of, of Israelites that didn't take hold of, of those promises, but be a Joshua, be strong and courageous, walk in the land and take hold of all that God has for you. Who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are. Oh, you're the way maker, you're the way maker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. In the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you is who you are. You are a way maker. You made a way for the Israelites to get out of Egypt and you made a way for them to get into the promised land. And you did that through amazing miracle things that only you can do, that we can say it's not because of us, but it's because of you. It's because of what you're doing and that you are an amazing, great God. And Lord, we know that your promises are true. Joshua was able to put his faith in you because he saw you in action. He saw what you could do. And so he believed that you as a God who promised something was going to bring it about. And so Lord, as we continue to just pray, 
Lord, for anyone who's doubting, for anyone who's perhaps not strong and courageous, I pray that you'd give them that. To be able to step up, perhaps out of their one-tenth of what you've got for them, that they'd start walking in the fullness of what you've got for them. But that takes courage and it takes faith to step out of uh, just self-contentment and into all that you've got. And that's for all of us, and it's for us as a church too, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing right now, that people will know your presence, that as we start to walk, walk in your promises, as we start to just take hold of what you have for us, Lord, that there will be celebration, that there will be joy, that there will be peace, that there will be hope, all because of you, not because of anything that we do, not because of our skills, not because of what we can achieve, but what you achieve through us. So Lord, all the glory goes to you. And we pray in advance, thanks for what you have for us, that you are perhaps calling us out of something and into something new. And we might not be able to see that yet. We might not fully know what that looks like. But Lord, you're a God who can be trusted. You're a God who makes a way. You're a God who calls us and says, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm going I'm to be with you as I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua. I'm going to be with you. Hold my hand. Take hold of my word, my promises. Walk with me. Walk into all that I have for you. And it's going to be an amazing place. A land flowing with milk and honey. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everyone, for um, yeah participating in today. And I trust that the Lord's spoken to you. Uh, not only um, in the scripture and perhaps being awakened to some things, but individually in, in your heart that the Lord's really spoken to you about your journey and about what God is calling you to. Um, and I just want to just um, end today's service from Philippians uh, chapter 4 that says in verse 19, And my God and your God, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God the Father, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. And we really look forward to next week as we continue in the story of Joshua and be revealing uh, all that God is saying to us. Until then, uh, I wish you well and we'll see you next week.